You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network. Has your day-to-day changed more than you predicted? Are you worried if you can sustain this pace of change in your life as we approach the fall? Have you been questioning some of the decisions you made either clinically or otherwise and wanting to reach out for support? Yeah, me too. This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah, and I'm a medical anthropologist working in primary care at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice. And I'm Morgan. I'm a family doctor working in the inner city and faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU. In today's episode, we're going to talk about resilience, and particularly the concept of having a failure friend. Well, Sarah, this challenge is huge. I mean, being resilient in 2018 or 2019 was a really important thing, but this year it's, it's even more so. And so much has changed and there's so much more uncertainty when it comes to COVID and current impacts, the potential of future waves of infection and thinking forward about what might happen through the fall as we look ahead. And really, I don't know how you guys are managing all this change. Yeah, the concerns around COVID I mean, thankfully here in BC, they aren't as bad as they've been elsewhere. We've done really well, but we've lost track of a lot of people in our clinics. And I'm thinking about those people who are missing follow-up for their chronic disease and how how they're coping with anxiety and, and depression or other mental health issues in all of this. It's a lot to think about. And there's also the mental health and resilience of providers. That's a really important piece of this. And that's where we wanted to start the conversation today. So the first idea we wanted to talk about is boundary setting. And healthy boundaries, I mean, they're really important for sustaining a practice in general. Counterintuitively, they help you being present for your patients. And we know if providers don't respect their own personal boundaries, they start to resent all their work, and then they can't be there for anybody in the way that they want to. They get burned out. We know what builds us up as people, and we need to do more of that in our days and weeks ahead. Tandy Wilkinson is a rural family physician who currently practices emergency medicine. She's been working with the idea of developing tools to support resilience for providers for some time. We asked her about this. So I think some of this healthy boundary setting can happen when we have the experience of being kind to ourselves and listening to ourselves and really honoring this part of us that's like really unsettled and undone because something's not working. When you actually like pay attention to that and listen to that and and have a welcoming kind relationship with that part of yourself, then you can do what you need to do. And that actually, I think, helps people set healthier boundaries. Near the start of the pandemic, Tandy wrote a This Changed My Practice article on peer support in COVID-19. The link to the article is in the show notes. We asked Tandy about what she observed in terms of her own response to the pandemic. My own process through this pandemic was uh, really just sitting and watching my emotions. But the other thing that came up for me when I did that is I realized I was responding to my stress by trying to fix things. And so I was running around creating programs in response to needs. And so like I wrote that article, I did a bunch of things. They were things that I thought had value and it was way too much. You know, we did this too. We did a COVID pivot at the ISU. We added in new projects to help with the response, including this podcast. And it's so common to do that, I think, especially in primary care, where we're here to fix things, we're doing more of that. And really, it's kind of what you're trained to do, right? Yeah, I mean, we are. We're trained to diagnose and treat and then keep going to the next and the next. But here it means that we're starting to overload ourselves with change as well. 
and Dr. Rita McCracken, a family physician, highlighted exactly this. She's part of a large primary care team in East Vancouver. Her clinic has 16,000 patients, and her practice has rapidly shifted to provide an innovative blend of virtual care and in-person care. They're carrying out the majority of well-baby checks virtually and then continuing to provide vaccinations in person. And Rita's really proud of the changes that her clinic has made, but she's also acutely aware of the additional pressures that providers are facing. I'm very inspired by the innovative approach that my colleagues and I have taken, but we essentially have no examples to be following. We are needing to create all of this ourselves, and we are already very tired So that is really concerning. We have, as well, we work in a fee-for-service environment. And to say that that has created extra pressure would be a gross understatement. And pretending like everything is fine is an inadequate response. And Sarah, it, it is inadequate. I mean, especially after three months, we're starting to look ahead to the fall and the winter. We're getting tired now and we need to find that way of keeping those boundaries and and staying healthy. Tandy reminded us that we can't prescribe solutions for everything in all of this change. And we have to be okay with doing a good job, but maybe not solving all the problems in the moment. Now that way we can be here now and throughout the next year. You know, the first advice I would give to someone in primary care is that you can't solve this problem. You can't meet all the needs that have accumulated for months and you can't do everything that you would want to do and just like recognize that right off the bat and give yourself permission uh, not to meet everyone's needs and not to be perfect. Sarah, this point is really important. Yes. And creating boundaries in healthy spaces to minimize burnout is really important. And it's so important that we're going to talk about this in a future episode. One way to get through a tough moment is to reach out to peers to get some support. There's a bunch of times when I've done this, and and one that really jumps out at me as we're talking, Sarah, is when I was a resident almost 20 years ago. It was my first night on call in the hospital as a doctor, and one of my patients, who had just transferred onto my ward, passed away within a few hours. And it was nighttime, and it was really stressful, and I felt like I had messed up. And I found myself reaching out to a colleague, another resident, who was also in the hospital on call that night, and she was in the maternity ward. I just wandered over there, and I told her what had happened, and she just listened, and it made a huge difference, just not being alone. I'm sure babies being born, too, also made made a big difference, but it was so important to be able to reach out and just talk to somebody who listened to what happened and how I was feeling. Candy really highlighted the the value of finding these people who can kind of be in this sort of peer mentor role for you. And she introduced us to the idea of a failure friend. A failure friend is really somebody who can listen to how I'm feeling in the moment. It's a concept that I first came across from an an intensivist, I I think also an eMERGE doc, and an educator named Sarah Gray from Toronto. And so the failure friend is... When I think I have failed at something, I want to reach out and have a failure friend conversation. And so that could be medical, it could be parenting, could be, you know, in any facet of your life. And I think the important part about the notion is that it's not whether you failed or not, it's that you feel like you have failed in some way. So Sarah, is this someone then that would be able to review a case to to review what I've done? Not so much. It's really more about support and less about kind of a clinical case review. And so the failure friend is not so much about the medicine of the case or the the medical details. It's really much more about processing our own emotional experience around something that, that happened. So it's somebody that I can trust 
to listen about how I'm feeling and how I'm doing in the moment. So who, who makes a good failure friend? Like I previously mentioned, it's really someone who can relate to similar experiences and take on a bit of a mentorship role for you. Tandy highlighted important qualities to look for in a failure friend. First of all, they come as a listener. I think the most important part is listening without judgment. So it doesn't matter what you think about the care that was given. That is not what's important. It's really about the other person's experience. The other qualities that are really important are just kindness and compassion, being a safe place so people know that they aren't going to be judged. So it's not super hard to show up with those qualities if you understand that that's your role. Many of these experiences are a normal part of medical care. And we just don't talk about them enough. So creating the space to do so safely is important. And I guess I did this back even when I was a resident on that first night on call. I reached out to my friend Alana on the maternity ward. And although she didn't know it, she really acted like a failure friend for me. COVID now is the world living in unprecedented times. This is almost a catchphrase. Something that we've heard repeatedly as we've reached out to providers to conduct these interviews is really that there are lots of challenges that people are facing when they're coping with the uncertainty of the pandemic. In our interview with Candy, she emphasized the value of working to become more comfortable with uncertainty, which I think is something that is really valuable. I think as a society in general, we have a really hard time with uncertainty. I mean, we just live in a world where we have so much control. You know, the weather is like almost the only thing in our life that we have no control of anymore. And that's just unnatural. And then as physicians, we, you know, we even more have more power. And so we really become undone when we don't know what to do. We don't know what the next step is. And so developing comfort with uncertainty is, I think, um, an incredibly helpful tool for resiliency. But I think we have to recognize that ultimately we're not in control. And I find that super liberating. Like, I just, I just love that it's not all up to me. So those are some of our first suggestions as we think about resilience and coping in the context of the pandemic and starting to think more of that longer term perspective. So first, start thinking about boundary setting, where it's okay to let go a little bit. Second, reach out and talk to a few peers to see if you can have those intentional conversations about being a failure friend if and when you need them. We'd like to thank Drs. Tandy Wilkinson and Rita McCracken for their contributions to this episode. We started this podcast just as COVID-19 was reclassified as a pandemic by the World Health Organization. We started thinking about these first episodes as season one as we went through them. And this season is really focused on supporting primary care providers through that rapid change right at the beginning with actionable tips and tricks for various aspects of the change that we were going through. How to set up better telehealth for marginalized inner city populations and to balancing being a provider working from home while being a parent. And now we're going to shift to a more proactive focus. We'll be moving into the next season of primary care in a pandemic with the goal of looking forwards to the fall and beyond. If you have ideas that you'd like us to focus on, please reach out to us at isu at familymed.ubc.ca. Season two will be launching in the coming weeks. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network. 